0: Of I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. That's right, everybody. Only Donald Trump can fix it. He is the savior. Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of our wise overlords in Washington pretending that they are coming to the rescue. The House just passed the, um, what are they calling it, the Economic Relief Bill or something like that. The largest expansion of government since the 1930s. The biggest bailout in the history of bailouts. And if you have learned nothing from this show or if you are new to the show and you haven't been listening for the last couple of weeks, I will once again dedicate some of the show to explaining why these bailouts will not fix our underlying problems. But welcome back, everybody. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul, so-called fiction, the one and only Johnny the Gentile Profita, Thank you all so very much for tuning in once again. We're starting to see our numbers creep up a little bit, which always warms the cockles of my heart. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people sitting around now with not much to do, and there, is, there are even more people that have been oblivious to the ideas and the um, information that I talk about on this show. So it is very important that we um, start to spread this word, we start to spread this message and share the show, While, you know, we are on the cusp of an economic collapse and we're staring down the barrel of a pandemic, global pandemic, you know, these are dark times ahead. And it's very important that people realize the actual causes of these problems and the solutions to these problems and the things that the government could be doing to exacerbate all of these problems and set us up for an even bigger failure sometime down the road. So, hopefully, we can get even more people to start listening to this show and supporting these ideas because, man, w- what is going on right now is really unprecedented. And it just, it, it seems to me, the more I think about it, we, we've just all lost our collective minds. It, it is just unbelievable. <laughs> what is going on, and just how people have been conditioned to just blindly follow government orders and to sit there and, and with their hands out every time something goes wrong. We all got to look to the government to, to help us out. And what do they do? What is their initial reaction? The, the government's response to these crises that, that seem to happen over and over again. You know, we, we got this boom-bust cycle right and it's it's literally all created by the federal reserve's monetary policy i've gone into uh, over that in previous episodes but every time one of these busts occur what's the government's response i mean every single time it's to rob the american people and give huge handouts to bankers and guys on fat cats on wall street and lobbyists and all these people that have um Nothing to do with the, the vast majority of the American people. Everybody who's connected to government just gets, gets made filthy rich off of this. And then a few crumbs get sprinkled on to the, to the rest of the American people. And people are okay with this. People are welcoming this with open arms. They're begging for it. They're begging for it. It's just it, it's incredible to me. I mean, we went through this in 2008 when that was supposed to be the, the big, the end of the world, right? Financial collapse, the likes of which the world had never seen. Okay, the Great Recession. And what was their immediate reaction? Oh, we're going to rob the poor and the middle class and start bailing out rich people. You know, and it's funny because they always debate about doing the exact opposite, right? All these debates, you know, the Bernie Sanders, the Joe Bidens, the Donald Trumps, they're always talking about how, you know, we need to we need to rob from the rich and give to the poor, right? We'll just tax the rich and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, if the rich can just give two cents, we can fund all of these things for the poor and the middle class. That's always what the debate is about. But what happens? What always ends up happening is they rob from the poor... And the middle class, either directly through increased taxes or indirectly through inflation, which is the route they're going now. And they enrich themselves and the rich, the fat cats on Wall Street, the big bankers, all of these guys that they claim to hate. Everybody that they rail against are always the first ones to get the money and they get the most money. I mean, they're really exposing themselves with all the crap that they try and cram into these bills. And if you've been paying attention over the last week, you know, the, the, um, the Democrats were able to delay this for about a week. You know, last Friday they thought they had something um, good going. Over the weekend they were supposed to get this finalized and pass it Sunday night or, or early Monday morning or something, and the Democrats held it up all week. And they were cramming all sorts of crap into these bills. And you see them, and it's just so obvious. It should be so obvious to everyone what they're doing. I mean, they're trying to backdoor their agenda through these bills, these 1,400-page bills, while they're holding the entire country hostage, right? They've got the Republicans over a barrel, and they know it, and this is their, their big opportunity to start getting all of their political platform things that they could never get past in, in good times when people have their heads on straight, and they're just cramming them into these bills, you know, uh, diversity quotas and the number of people, the number of uh, people of color you have to have on your boards and some sort of um, solar panel uh, legislation was thrown in there and uh, fossil fuel industry standards, you know, things like that. Uh, All this crap that has nothing to do with the problems that are facing the American people right now. And this is what they're, they're haggling over. These are your wise overlords in Washington. Your leaders in times of crisis, the ones that everybody looks to, are wise overlords in Washington. You know, this is a pandemic, and what are they concerned about? Uh, diversity quotas. (laughs) Okay. All right. You sure you guys don't want to question this system at all? You sure it's it's not just a matter of voting in the right people? Maybe this entire thing is just a corrupt boondoggle? This is all just a scam, and we are being fleeced. We, the American people, are being fleeced while the rest of these government agents and everybody that's politically connected gets to line their pockets at our expense. I mean, that's what's happening here. That's what always happens. They did it in 2008. They're doing it again now, even on a more massive scale. The, the bailout in 2008, I think, was like $800 billion. This one is two trillion okay and that's just what this this package is all right they've already the federal reserve has already handed out one and a half trillion to wall street and the bankers that went out the door immediately and th- now they've pledged to do it indefinitely note there is no amount of money that they are not willing to create out of thin air and dole it out to all their wall street buddies to all their banker buddies I mean, this is what happened over the last week. Just to put, because these numbers, I mean, everyone's hearing these numbers thrown around. $2 trillion, trillion, $4 trillion, $500 billion here, $500 billion there. You know, pretty soon we're talking about real money. But just to put this into perspective, last week, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet grew by Five over five hundred billion dollars. I think. Don't quote me directly on this, but I think it was five hundred and eighty-seven billion with a B. Okay, that to put that into perspective, that was one week, right? That was one week of their quantitative easing program. To put that into perspective, in um, the first rounds of QE that they did following the two thousand eight financial crisis, that would be the equivalent of seven months of QE3, of the third round of quantitative easing, 500 and some odd billion dollars is seven months, and they spent it in a week. In a week. They blew through 1.5 trillion in a matter of days. It's all gone, and they have pledged, they have said, they have come out and said that they will never run out of ammo. They will never run out of ammunition, and, you know, to an extent, that is true. Because this is the the mechanics of this, which I have, you know, I don't want to spend too much time because I I worry about repeating myself over and over again on this show. But we do have new listeners and, you know, I guess it never hurts to go over these things really quickly. But, you know, one of the reasons why they're so quick to just loan out all this money to the federal government or to Wall Street or to whoever is because they they don't have to suffer for it. They, They don't have to to work. To create this money, to create this value and and earn this money and then loan it out. All they're doing, all the Federal Reserve is doing. They don't even have to run the printing press. The Treasury Department is responsible for actually creating the dollar bills that are in circulation. They run the printing press. The Federal Reserve, all they gotta do is hit their keystrokes a few times. Oh, you need you need two trillion? Here. Boop, boop, boop. They hit the keys and they put it in the account and then it's done, $2 trillion, boom, just created. Now it's out in the economy. Uh, okay, if you need $4 trillion, they can hit the four instead of the two. It's just as easy for them. What do they care? If they get any interest on this, it's, it's uh, you know gravy. It's icing on the cake. But if you really think, if you deep down, even if you know nothing about economics, if you think that that is the way that you can just run a country you can run an economy. That you can just hit a couple keystrokes, give everybody trillions of dollars, and everything will magically be okay. I mean, that's the most juvenile way of thinking about anything possibly ever. I mean, who could actually think that's the way that this works? If that worked, there would be no poverty anywhere in the world. Everything would be great. Yeah, you just need you just need to hit a couple keystrokes give them a couple trillions of do, trillion dollars who cares right if that's the way it worked, everything would be easy. this is complete and utter insanity absolutely insane. but anyway let's um let's go let's give a quick breakdown of of where all this money is going because you know, it may surprise you, it may not surprise you that the vast majority of it is not going directly to the American people. So those of you who think that you know the government is your savior and they are of, by, and for the people and they're going to take care of you in your time of need, well, I've got news for you. The breakdown of this may surprise you a little bit. Because I, I, I'm not going to go through the whole tr- $2 trillion. That would just be uh, insane. You know, you guys can look this stuff up yourself. We all still have the Internet for a time being, and most of us have nothing but time on our hands while we are quarantined in our respective cities. But, you know, one of the uh, more asinine things is that the, uh, you know, I was looking at the amount of money that hospitals got. So it looks like, you know, hospitals, the ones that everybody is worried about, you know, because this disease is not really that deadly, it turns out it's a lot less deadly than we thought um and and you know i've talked about how those number like these numbers practically don't mean anything because we have no idea how many people actually have this thing but th- the biggest issue is overwhelming our hospitals right nobody has enough hospital beds we don't have enough ventilators we don't have enough hospital staff the the whole hospital the, the whole um healthcare industry is being overwhelmed or could potentially be overwhelmed if enough people get uh, a a serious case of the coronavirus at the same time, right? That's the real threat here, isn't it? That's what everybody's afraid of. Okay, well, how much of the $2 trillion is going to hospitals to help shore up uh, the hospital problem? If you guessed $100 billion, you would be correct. Now, that may seem like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. $100 billion, to you and I, is a ton of money. To the United States federal government, it is a rounding error. It is a rounding error. Now, wouldn't you think that, you know, when we're staring down the barrel of this crisis, that apparently, you know, I have explained in excruciating detail why the coronavirus is not the real problem here. It's just the, the pin that pricked the bubbles. But everybody else in the world seems to think that, you know, we just have to get past this coronavirus and then everything will go back to normal and we will all be hunky-dory. So why aren't they de- dedicating more than $100 billion to, to help the hospitals? You might wonder. Hmm. A little weird, isn't it? How much are the airlines getting? How much are the airlines who, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be before y- you, know, you and I get on a plane. It's not going to be any time soon. And I've gone back and forth with a couple people on Twitter about bailing out these airlines, but airlines are getting $58 billion. They're getting $58 billion for airplanes, $100 billion for hospitals. Does that seem a little out of whack to you guys when we're not supposed to be flying in the first place? When they don't want anybody traveling, they want everybody locked down, but they're still giving them $58 billion? $29 of that is in the form of a grant, which means they don't even have to pay it back. It's just, here you go, here's your money. And then $29 billion of it is in a, a guaranteed loan of some sort. So they'll probably have to pay that back at some point. But make no mistake about it, all of this money is coming with strings attached, and the government will do all kinds of retarded things to these airline companies that they're bailing out that's going to make them far less uh, competitive in the future and pretty much guaranteeing that they're going to need another bailout sometime down the road. And then they'll bail them out again and they'll put on more uh, onerous uh, rules and regulations that they must follow. I mean, they're, they're doing things like, you know, you can never fire your workers and you have to have a certain number of staff on the board and all this stuff that's going to destroy these companies from the inside out. I mean, if one of these airline companies, you know, we go through an economic downturn, maybe they need to lay off some of their workers. Maybe they need to lay off some of them so that they can save the rest of the company. But now you, you, the government's going to make that impossible and just guarantee that instead of some of the workers getting laid off, all of them will get laid off because the company will fail. I mean, this, this is the, the path we're headed down. All right? And uh, let's see. We got $150 billion. So more than, uh, you know, 50% more than what the hospitals got. That goes to state and local governments because, I don't know, state and local governments, as I mentioned on the last episode, have uh, overextended themselves, to say the least. So in addition to that $150 billion, remember, the Federal Reserve, with their uh, unlimited trillions of dollars, are buying the mu- municipal bonds left and right that's another bailout that the state and local governments are getting because the Federal Reserve's creating money out of thin air and buying up all their debt because nobody else is going to buy that stuff. Um, $10.5 billion goes to the Department of Defense because, you know, why shouldn't the uh, military-industrial complex get get in on this action? Um, $25 billion for food stamps. $24 billion for farmers because, yeah, you know, Gotta have farmers, gotta have food. Where would we be? I, I, you know, if there's one industry that shouldn't be affected by the coronavirus, it's farming. I mean, it's social distancing. You have an entire farm to work on. Nobody's huddled together working on farms, I wouldn't think. I, You know, I don't, I'm no farmer, but, you know, $24 billion for farmers, $30 billion for schools. Uh, now, there is another provision in here for unemployment insurance where... And this is one of the things that that held it up during the week because some of the Republicans realized that if they if they uh, passed this bill as the way the the Democrats had wanted it, that people would be getting an extra six hundred dollars a week in unemployment benefits, and that would actually be more money than they were making when they were working. And so the um, the Republicans wanted to at least make it, you know. Uh, you can't you can't earn more than when you were working when you're unemployed and that that's the solution they came up with which is still going to have the same effect i mean who people are not idiots okay who is going to go to work every day you know the commute to work which is miserable Right, going to work, sitting in a boring cubicle all day, staring at a computer screen for the same amount of money, or you know, punching a clock, whatever it is that you do, manual labor, for the same amount of money as sitting at home all day or going on vacation for four months. You're gonna get a four month paid vacation, and everybody's gonna take them up on that. The, the The people participating in the labor force is going to plummet as a result of this. I mean, who wouldn't? It's not because they're lazy. They're making a, a calculated decision based on the incentives that you're giving them. You're paying them as much to not work as to work. Who wouldn't take that deal? Who wouldn't take a four-month paid vacation? I mean, most people hate their jobs. And, and, the, and even if it was, you know, they're actually coming out ahead because there, there's so much cost associated with working. You got to get to work. You got to put gas in your car. You got to park your car. Or you got to take public transportation. That costs money. And you expose yourself to things like the coronavirus. You have to find lunch. You know, you got to eat out a lot, most likely. That's what a lot of people do. That's expensive. You got to have uh, nice clothes for work. You can't just be, you know, walking around in your pajamas all day. Got to have a nice shirt. Got to have a nice uh, a suit, maybe, a suit and tie, or uh, one of those. um. Uh, pantsuits that, that Hillary Clinton wears you know, that, that 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 all costs money so they're coming out ahead if they're getting paid the exact same and they don't have to spend any money on that and you don't have to spend any money on childcare if you have kids or something like that or uh, somebody to clean your house because now you're home, you can do it they, this is going to be a disaster <laughs> I mean, this is really unbelievable but, uh, you know par for the course i suppose and uh, they're they're woefully underestimating the cost of all this as usual it wouldn't surprise me if we need another one of these bailout packages in, in the coming future because people change their circumstances in order to qualify for these benefits that's human nature like like these people that are starting the fake companies, <laughs> yeah, All these somebody started a fake airline company last week so that he can get the bailout money. You don't think people are going to change their circumstances so that they can get a four week paid a vaca- uh, four month paid vacation? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, they always underestimate the cost of these things. Uh, what are the self employed and small businesses? They get to you know they don't get uh, free grant money. They, they might get some loans from the Small Business uh, Administration, but they also get to defer the 6.2% Social Security tax for two years. So they're not actually getting any uh, tax relief. They just get to delay the inevitable tax that they pay. Um, you, as the employee, you still have to pay that 6.2%. You know, shocker that um, no tax relief came for the uh, average everyday American worker. Uh, They wouldn't want you to realize how much they've been stealing from you from your paycheck, now would they? Of course not. Of course not. That's why they're going to keep that withholding in place. They don't want you getting a taste of what it's like to actually get all of the money that you earn up front. And then have to actually stroke a check and part ways, actually see that money leave your bank account. That's far more tangible, and people would really feel that. So they don't want the average American worker to realize that, yes, in fact, they are being robbed blind. I mean, that's the only explanation for it. Why would they, you know, why go into debt, issue more money, borrow more money? To give to American people when you can just let them keep the money they earn in the first place? Well, because if you do that, then they're going to start to realize how much you've been taking from them over the years. I mean, this whole thing, this whole thing is retarded, and I can't understand why the average American is is supporting this. I mean, people are cheering the fact that, you know, they get this uh, relief bill passed. And, and all these politicians are patting themselves on the back. Like, this proves how compassionate they are and how they really were fighting and working for the American people. And, and, oh, they're such good people, right? Yeah, give me a break. Give me a break. They are doing nothing to help you. They are doing nothing to help you. Yeah, you might get 1200 bucks. I think, you know, some people, if you don't make it, too much money... You will get a check for twelve hundred dollars in the mail, and then you know uh, five hundred for your kids or something like that. I forget what the exact numbers are, but if you do the math on it, here's what's actually happening to you, the average American. Okay, because when all is said and done, and these you know four, five, six trillions of trillion dollars will have been spent and created out of thin air and pumped into the economy, every man, woman, and child will be on the hook for an additional $17,000 of debt, okay? You will owe your portion of this bailout, your portion of this relief package is $17,000, okay? And what are you getting in return? You're getting a measly 1200 bucks. Does that sound like a good deal? Does that sound like a deal you want to take? I mean, this is what the government always does. They reach into your right pocket and take everything, and then they, they throw a few, uh, few nickels into your left pocket, and you're supposed to be happy with that. This is like, I, you know, I talk about it all the time on this show. The government breaks your legs, hands you a crutch, and then says, see, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't be able to get around. You wouldn't be able to walk. Libertarians, we, we tend to, you know, get focused on the crutch and, and chastise that. And, you know, there are problems with that, and I've been doing a lot of that on the show because, you know, this is not healthy for an economy long term. And, of course, we're robbing from some people and giving to others, and, and, you know, we have moral qualms about that, or at least most libertarians do. And most people do in general, but, of course, this is an emergency. And so we come off as, you know, uh, heartless, cold-hearted. We don't care. You know, we'd rather be... Uh, the best libertarian in the world and, instead of getting through this crisis and dealing with the problems later. But as I just laid out, you're still getting screwed here. We're all getting screwed here. I mean, what are you going to do with 1200 bucks? This is nothing. And, and is that really the way that you want to live? That That's the life you want to live. Every time that, that something goes wrong, every time there's a recession you, know, you got to look to the, where's my check? or Where is my money? Every time there's an emergency, where's my money? you got to go to the government and beg them for table scraps. Table scraps from a feast that we provided for them. We set that table. We put all the food on there. The productive sector of society. Uh, Donald Trump's out there blaming Ford and GM for failing to provide enough ventilators now. I mean, this is, if you notice, the government can't do anything. They can't help you. Notice how everything is falling on the private sector to produce. So what do we need the government for? All they're doing is getting in the way. All they can do is create inflation and waste resources, stealing them from people and doling them out to their buddies on Wall Street, to their big bankers, to all the politically connected. I mean, I, I am against ev- everybody getting a bailout on any level whatsoever from the government. But to the extent that we have it, why are we giving it to all of these industries? All, uh, bailing out all these industries that made horrible uh, leverage bets on the future that didn't save for that rainy day that I talked about on the last episode. And now they're getting bailed out over the average everyday American. And this is the government that you guys all support this is this is the idea this is what we're going to do and you're sitting there looking to them in this emergency to to give you some of the scraps of what they've taken from you and that's the life you want to live really? I know1200 dollars to some people may seem like a lot of money and it may seem if you just lost your job like you really need that1200 dollars to tide you over until you can um, get back on your feet but it is, it is really not that much money right now, and it's really not going to be a lot of money down the road after these bailouts go through and all this inflation starts making its way through the economy. Pretty soon we'll be spending 1200 bucks on a cup of coffee, okay? And, you, and we're, we're taking on $17,000 worth of debt to get $1,200 in our pocket right now. We are sacrificing our long-term financial stability for a few uh, few pennies right now, in the grand scheme of things. It reminds me of those experiments they run with kindergartners, where they offer them, like, one M&M right now, or if you wait an hour, you can have three M&Ms, and if you wait till the end of the day, we'll give you the whole bag. Well, the, the stupid kindergartners, the ones with the high time preference... And, you know, they're kindergartners, so it's hard to blame them. But this is the way uh, a juvenile mindset works. They take the M&M right now because they see it right in front of them and they get that instant gratification. But the smart ones, the ones who realize that if they delay that gratification, if they don't grab that low-hanging fruit, well, they'll get a whole bag of M&Ms at the end of the day. And that's a much better deal. Uh, What are you going to do with one M&M anyways? (laughs) I mean, it's pointless. You get get two seconds worth of satisfaction from it. It ties you over for less than a minute. But you get that whole bag. If you hold out for that whole bag of M&Ms, whew, I mean, that's a snack right there. And that's what we're doing on a a huge scale with $1,200. We're all opting for the M&M, the one M&M. 1,200 bucks for a, a, a one-time payment of 1,200 bucks. If you're really lucky, maybe they'll make it a monthly stipend, right? But really, they're not even giving us the option. It's just th- this is the way it's going to be. This is what we're doing because they're, the, they're our representatives and they've decided now. I mean, we are all getting fleeced. We're all getting fleeced. And that's the problem. Like, Here's what happens when the government comes out and tries to make everyone whole... You know, they promise that nobody is going to feel any pain. We're going to take care of everybody. Well, what happens? What's the end result of every government initiative ever taken on? This is another one of my rules. You know, I have the, the law of the government titles. This is the law of government action. Where everything they do, the opposite of their stated goal, will be the result. So if they set out to, to save everybody from economic pain to make sure that everybody is made whole, they will wipe everybody out. They are guaranteeing that they will just destroy everybody. And this is just going to be a disaster. I mean, look at how many people come out of the woodwork with their hands out now that the government's playing around with $2 trillion. And everyone's trying to get in on, their, on this whole thing, this whole scam. Everyone wants their share. I'm seeing all these articles about people starting companies like airlines and cruises and things because they, they think they're going to get a bailout. So they just started a company last week just to get a bailout. I, I think it was called like Bailout Airlines was the name of this guy's company or something like that. And he, he's, he's going to get like $10 million, he's thinking. And it wouldn't surprise me because the government's going to fuck this up. That's what they do, guaranteed. They fuck things up when they're taking their time. Okay? Imagine how bad it's going to be when they're rushing, when they're rushing through everything, you know? Because we never have time to talk about any of this. We don't have time for debate. This is an emergency. It must be done now. Nobody's reading these bills. Nobody knows what's in there. And, and this is so big. This is the biggest bailout ever. The biggest expansion of government since FDR's New Deal. There is no way that they can monitor this. It's impossible. There's no way they can vet any of these companies. Uh, They're just going to be throwing money everywhere, except into the pockets of the American people, of course. And of course, nobody wants to deny a company money, right? After all, this is an emergency. So we can't be heartless bastards if your company needs this money to survive, even if you just started it last week. Well, here's your bailout money. Paying money to fake companies, paying money to real companies, that we don't need right now, that we may have never needed. I mean, who knows? 40% of the companies in the stock market were losing money before the crisis, had never turned a profit, okay? Uh, What is that? What is that? We have a ton of misallocated resources that we have to let the free market sort out. Paying people not to work, or paying them to work jobs that the economy doesn't need right now is a waste of those resources. And resources, like it or not, are limited. They are finite. That's the whole point of an economy, is to allocate resources that are limited. Because scarcity does exist. We do not have enough of everything for everybody all the time. Okay? So the, the goal of the economy is to allocate those resources to where they're most needed. Now, how do we know where they're most needed if, the government's just creating this money out of thin air and giving it to people and supporting failed companies all the time. We need banks and people who have something at stake to lend their hard-earned precious capital to companies that they deem worthy of such an investment. Who will be good stewards of the resources of society? That's who we need to that's what we need to find out, and that's what banks decide on a daily basis, every time they're loaning out money. Banks that make reckless loans are are not going to be in business very long unless they keep getting bailed out by people making, uh, creating money out of thin air. I mean, who knows how many airlines we need? Who knows how many planes we need? How many restaurants? How many tech companies? Nobody knows. Not one person, no group of people could possibly know that. We have to let the collective decisions of millions of people decide what they value most right now and allow those, uh, those decisions to allocate those resources. That's what bankruptcy is for. It takes resources away from people and companies that were screwing it up that we're not being good stewards of the resources of society, and it allows them to be put into the hands of people who will do a better job managing them. If there is a market demand for a product or service, that business doesn't go away. It just changes hands, it changes ownership. Okay, we obviously need air transport. This isn't some like fake company like pets.com or something from the dot com bubble that didn't do anything. Obviously, we need air, airports and air transport and planes and things like that. So we will have them. We, we just need them to be managed better than the, the companies that, that ran them into the ground prior to this financial crisis. We need to reward the better companies, not reward the, the reckless behavior of, you know, Boeing I mean, Boeing, we're, we're bailing out Boeing for the 737 Max. OK, they, they built that airplane that killed a bunch of people and you can't fly it without it crashing. And now they're getting a bailout. Why? Why are we doing that? Because people think that if you don't bail them out, the company goes away. No, it just changes hands. Somebody else will take that over if society needs it and be a better steward. Maybe they'll make a, a plane that doesn't crash. How about that? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, you know, nobody could have predicted that the coronavirus was going to wreak havoc on companies for a few months or however long this is going to be. But it's easy to know that something eventually bad will happen. Had these companies not levered up when times were good, had these state and local governments not levered up when times were good, had the federal government not levered up when times were good, had the American people not levered up when times were good, we would all be able to weather this storm. Think about a new company, right? Cause we have all these new businesses that start and fail every year, right? New companies are expected to not earn a profit for like six months to anywhere from six months to several years before they start making money. And that's a new company with no footprint, with no um, gumption, no, no uh, customer base, no nothing. They're starting from scratch, and they're not taking a a, a paycheck. They're not making profits for anywhere from six months to several years. Why can't an established company do that for a couple of weeks? I mean, why not? They're obviously doing something wrong. And I mean, I literally just ran down basically every level of society that needs a bailout, right? Is it even possible to do that? Sure, it's possible to bail out one sector of the economy or one industry or something like that because you can tax and borrow from everybody else in society to bail them out. But if everybody needs a bailout, like I've said on other episodes, who's going to do the bailing? It's not even possible to bail everybody out because you need to have somebody to borrow from in order to do it. and We can't borrow from other countries that that we normally borrow from They've all got the same problem we do. They're all dealing with the coronavirus. China, uh, Japan, Germany, everybody that was loaning us money, they need their, own, they need their money because they got the same problem we do. They're not going to be loaning it out to us. So it's all just going to be the Federal Reserve. And by the way, you know, re- <laughs> there was not one Republican in the Senate that voted against this uh, relief package. Not one pretty unbelievable i mean i know Rand paul was was out sick right so maybe he would have had the the stones to vote against this but do we like these are the uh the fiscally conservative republicans right allegedly that have now um just greenlit the largest expansion of government we've ever seen (laughs) okay Uh, do we even have uh, two parties at this point or is everybody just a democratic socialist I mean, Bernie Sanders' agenda is basically being put through right now by Republicans. What is going on here? This is insanity. And the House just passed it. There was one guy that I know of, that Thomas Massey, that was trying to hold things up in the House and at least make people vote on it. Like They they did like a, a voice vote. He wanted people on record as being for or against this. Because, you know, he's probably thinking this is going to be a disaster and he wants, you know, he wants people to know that he was not in favor of this type of, um, of this type of monetary policy. But, you know, he, he, uh, they managed to, um, get around his, his, um, objections to that. They did a voice vote and this passed unanimously. We don't have, if the Republicans are supposed to be the ones that sort of um, pull back on the reins of an ever-expanding government, which, you know, I've never believed that, or at least I haven't believed that for a long time, but that's that's what everybody else believes. That's what all these Republican voters believe. You, you really think, like, what, what are we doing here? If this is pulling back on the reins, what's it going to look like when we have a, a Joe Biden as president or, God forbid, an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? And then we have another emergency, right? No time to talk about anything. We just, you know, don't question any of this. You you can't possibly discuss anything. We just, we need to take all this money right now and start giving it to the banks and start giving it to Wall Street. Otherwise, you know, life as you know it will end. Okay. Okay. So much for this. We don't even have a two-party system anymore. Everybody's just a Democrat. But, you know, what what chance do they have of of making an argument against any of this type of policy going forward? If you're not going to stand on principle, how could you possibly make an argument that, you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't just be creating money out of thin air and giving everybody a twelve hundred dollar check? Why not? It it worked for this crisis, right? It works in a crisis. If we're going to do it in a crisis, why not do it when times are good? I mean, why do we let let any company fail ever? You know, something like 80% of small businesses, new companies, they fail in the first few years all the time. Why do we let them fail? Why not just bail them out? Why not just print up a bunch of money and and bail out any company that's having financial trouble? What's the matter with that? I mean, we're doing it right now. Why shouldn't we do it all the time? And how are you going to make that argument going forward when... Every single time, things get bad. Every time, you know, there's a problem on the horizon, Republicans, the party of restraint, the party that's supposed to be talking sense into the country and pulling back on these spending reins, are the first ones to vote unanimously to sacrifice all of their supposed principles to placate the voters, to placate the American people, who aren't thinking straight because they've been whipped into a frenzy by all of these politicians and uh, the mainstream media. And I think the scariest thing of all of this, besides the what could potentially happen to the purchasing power of the dollar, which, you know, is looking very dire in, in the years to come. But I think the the scariest part about all of this is for one thing, you know, the, the fact that everybody is just so willing. To give up their, give up everything, because the the government says you know there's an emergency, we're we're staying in our houses, we're we're accepting martial law as as a possible solution to this thing. Here in Chicago, you know, our mayor just came out and threatened to kidnap people and arrest them if you violate the um stay at home order that they've now given. This is um, yeah, stay at home, only go out for essentials. You have, you have to readjust your thinking, be smart. Not only will our police be deployed to shut them down if you are not abiding by these orders, we will be forced to shut down the parks and the lakefront. The situation is deadly serious, and you will need to take it deadly seriously. You cannot go on long bike rides. Playgrounds are shut down. You must abide by the order. Outside is for a brief respite, not for 5Ks. I can't emphasize this enough. You must abide by the rules. The public health order is not an advisory. It's a mandate. If you violate it, you are subject to a fine of $500. If you continue to violate it, you are subject to arrest. So there you go. Uh, All of our rights as people, First Amendment rights, everything just goes right out the window the second there is a crisis. So do we actually have any rights? Are we, are we free people, or are we subjects to an all-powerful government that can strip us of our God-given rights whenever they see fit, whenever they declare a state of emergency? You know, I don't expect a, you know, some sort of military takeover or anything like that, and we're all going to be um, confined to our houses permanently, but I guess that is sort of like a worst-case scenario thing. But we've certainly set a precedent now for any time there's some um, national emergency or any time they deem something an emergency, uh, they, they know that the, the American people, they can scare us into giving up every single right we have as people. And we'll, we'll stay in our house. We'll obey the orders, right? O- obey, respect their authority. That, that is very scary to me. In addition to all of the moral hazard we're creating... The fact that we're destroying our economy, the fact that we're creating an entire class of dependents, the fact that everything we're doing in response to this crisis is basically the wrong thing. All of it does not bode well for our future economically and as just a viable country. We are setting a, a precedent where you reward reckless bad behavior and punish responsible good behavior and we're creating an entire uh, generation of people that are going to be dependent on the government, that are going to be happy to get the crumbs from their table. Uh, $1,200. What's that going to last you, a week? Uh, It'll get you through the end of the month, maybe? Uh, Okay, but then what? Then what are you going to do? Sit here and and beg your government to get together and, and pass another pork barrel legislation that get that gets you another couple thousand dollars? Or maybe you get a thousand dollars every month. Is that really what you want out of life? To sit here and, and, and with your hands out, completely dependent on some psychopaths in Washington to to dole out what they've what they've taken from you, a, a fraction of what they've taken from you in the first place. This is the poverty mindset that I've talked about before on this show. Looking to the government. Looking to somebody else to get your monthly stipend from. We should all be tr- looking at ways that we could not be trying to make $1,200 a month. Maybe $1,200 a day. Why not? That's entirely possible. There are people that make $1,200 in a day. Why aren't you one of those people? That's what we should be thinking about. Not, not thinking about how we can look to the government to, to give us a, some scraps from the table. Anyway... I'm gonna wrap there for today, guys. some some pretty scary times ahead. So make sure that you're preparing and making better decisions to set yourself up for the future because you can't you can't rely on this, this government to to provide for you unless you're one of these politically connected corporations or, or somebody on Wall Street as somebody who can um, influence these politicians and donate to their campaigns and get your hands on some of this money that they're stealing from everybody, chances are you're not going to be getting much in way of relief. So enjoy your weekend as best you can. You know, I know Ozark is out today, so um, you got some good Netflix to stream at least. But you know, be safe, download and subscribe, share the show with a friend. Follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And if you can do all that, I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, just remember to keep on pedaling that so-called fiction.